0: Welcome to Red Kite. My name is Henna. I'm one of the participants in the writing and broadcasting groups. Red Kite is a brand new Friday afternoon show here on East Leeds FM dedicated entirely to stories by, for and about young people. After months of lockdown, what does our city, our world, look like now? Expect new music and poetry, lively banter and witty exchanges most of it created by young musicians, writers and broadcasters, taking part in Chapel FM's summer project. Each Monday of the project, a party of intrepid people will go out wild walking in East Leeds with storyteller Matthew Bellwood. Then, there are the workshops led by writers, musicians and broadcasters on the East Leeds FM team, and, all being well, are broadcast on Friday afternoons, like this one now. These three shows in August are a bit of an experiment. What kind of programs do people enjoy making and listening to? With more knowledge in the autumn, we'll be creating regular shows on Friday afternoons. In the meantime, listen out for untold stories, fresh points of view from the eastern edges of Leeds and beyond. New ways of seeing what and who we are. The Red Kite will speak. Red Kite, from Eads Leeds FM.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to Red Kite here on East Leeds FM, the second in our Friday afternoon programmes for, by and about, young people. Uh, We are broadcasting, as we have been for the last three or four months, from all over the place, from different parts of Leeds, from different parts of the country. We can't be in our studio at the moment for obvious reasons, but uh, we are greatly enjoying bringing this programme to you Friday afternoons, so I'm Peter Spafford, I'm Director of Words at Chapel FM and I've been leading the writing project as part of this grand summer programme at Chapel FM Arts Centre, but you will also be hearing this afternoon from broadcasters, from the old broadcasters, people who have been doing this for quite a while, the newer broadcasters and also of course the musicians. So in the virtual studio now I have two of the writing group. We have Billy. Hello, Billy. Hello. And we have Louise. Hello, Louise. Hello. So Louise, just to to demonstrate uh, the fact that we are in different parts of the world, where are you at this very moment? What part of Britain are you in?
2: Yeah, so I'm down in the south, um, just north of London. And we've got a lot of rain down here, but I hear that you've got you've got sunny skies up north.
1: Always sunny skies up North Louise, <laughs> <laughs> it never rains up here. Um, Billy, where are you? I'm
3: in... Somewhere in Leeds. I, I, I'm in, somewhere in, in Leeds, yeah. Uh, an, uh, Bramley area.
1: An undisclosed location. So there are probably eight or nine people in the writing group, uh, and they're all really experienced writers, young writers, some of them are in associate writers, our writing group that we, that we operate uh, out of Chapel FM in normal times, and also the wonderful Writing Squad, which is a, a Northern based uh, training ground really for young writers between 16 and 24. Um, but they have produced some wonderful work this uh, week and we're going to be talking to Billy and Louise about the kind of approach we've been taking this week to writing specifically for radio. But without any more ado, let's hear two of the pieces that have been produced this week. First of all, we're going to hear a piece by Billy himself um, called "Listen to Me," and the second piece straight after it is "The Lady Rose from the Sea" by Lorna. First of all,
4: listen to me. I feel most claustrophobic in this box. Or wouldn't you? I feel imprisoned in a void of darkness. I need to breathe the sweet smell of freedom. Hark, something touched me. What was that? Don't touch me, you ghastly thing. Oh, the glimmers of daylight once again. It hurts my eyes. (sighs) I do wish he wouldn't put his hand up my back. At least have the decency to warm it beforehand. You'd think he'd give me better material to work with. He thinks I'm a dummy. A dummy, I ask you. Doesn't he know what I'm capable of? I could do Shakespeare. To be or not to be. Ah, my adoring public. Or rather, his adoring public. Does he not realise that he's working with a legend of the theatre?
1: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome George Barnes and his friend Cheeky Charlie.
4: Cheeky. Charlie, what a common name. I deserve more respect than this. Why do I have to speak such drivel? I'm
3: going out. To go,
4: I too have hopes and dreams yet to be fulfilled. That's not my voice. He's asking me what I've been doing all day. But he never wants to hear my reply. I'm imprisoned in a box. No. No, please. Don't make me go back there. It's my worst nightmare. I'll behave. Listen to me. I have a voice.
2: The lady rose from the sea. I was there when the lady was seen in the sea. To set the scene, the blues and greens bubbled in the waves. The men on the shore were shocked. The lady rose and blocked the limited light of an October night some fifty feet tall or more, as she stood from the water. Waves roared and soared higher than ever before, to drench the beach with a fishy stench. Any trawlerman's dream come true. People dared scream, but I, in a dream, began to advance. A trance took hold with the grip of her eyes, and I followed to roam to the edge of the foam on the shore.
1: okay so that was the lady rose from the sea by Lorna and before that we heard listen to me by Billy so we've got Billy here in the studio so we can actually ask Billy about that piece Billy tell us a bit about listen to me which you wrote but also produced yourself I think it's the first thing you've actually produced and edited is that right
3: yes that's right first time I've produced and edited something using audacity which I've 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 never used before. Well, I've used it a bit before but I've I've not used it to that level.
1: Well, congratulations and well done for for plunging in with it. So, do you want to say something about how Listen to Me came about? Say anything you like about the how it happened for you.
3: Well, originally I had two pieces that I wanted to do. Uh the other piece will be played later in the broadcast, but um, um, but the second piece that I th- that I did, the original second piece that I did, I wasn't too happy about it. I didn't think it was really me, um, and it didn't. Re- I couldn't really relate to it. So I wanted to write something different. So I I wanted to write something from the point of view of sp- an inanimate object, um, and I thought. To make it a bit more interesting, I'd give the the object a personality. Um, so, so in this case, the dummy. The, in this case, so, so so yeah, that's what I thought I'd I'd do with it. Um, and I won't say too much about it. Um, 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 I'll probably say something about it. Oh, actually, I probably will say something about it now. Um, um, Well, the dummy thinks he's got his own voice, but he's dependent on the ventriloquist Mm. to actually take him out of the box and give him a voice. And even though, you know, even though he's quite pompous, you kind of feel sorry for him in a way.
1: I certainly did. And uh, yeah, a wonderful idea for a piece of writing. The ventriloquist i mean a kind of metaphor too for people speaking for us and voicing us when we have our own voices lovely thanks very much billy louise can i come to you um th- what's this week been about for you because you've also been experimenting with sound and words together
2: yeah i have to say um i've just been sitting here Laughing so much, I found that absolutely hilarious, Philly. that was really good. Um, mm. Yeah, I've also um, been experimenting with audacity and recording um, my own voice and putting that with audio. Um, and that was a, a bit of a new venture for me too. So that's been um it's been a fun skill. It can be it can be a bit frustrating. Uh, sometimes the technology glitches and you have to iron out problems but um, it's been really rewarding to to play around with it yeah
1: well yes I think the first week of the writing project was very much about um, as writers really thinking about what words can do in terms of painting pictures in our minds which is uh, what radio to some degree is about which people call it the most people say it's the most visual medium there is um and this 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 week we've been looking at how to actually well we looked at the bbc sound archive if anybody doesn't actually know about this the bbc put all their sound effects out online for free and you can just go to just google bbc sound effects archive and there are hundreds thousands of sounds that you can play with so i w- i recommended to writers that they thought of a particular sound a repetitive sound that could almost be a character within the piece that you that they wrote and they really taken and run with it and and uh, they've been plundering that uh, bbc archive so um in a, in a few moments, we're going to hear Louise's piece, and Louise will be able to talk about uh, a little more about the, how that piece came about. But first of all, um, we're going to hear two other pieces. Uh, well, one by Sufian, who's in the Associate Writers. I've known Sufian for a long time, and um, he he actually gives a slight intro. To a short intro to his piece of writing which we'll hear in a minute and then we're going to hear from nasim who is i think one of the writing squad very experienced writer and a journalist up uh, in the in the northeast, and we're going to hear her piece which is called um post school i think so first of all sufian
5: i'm sufian
1: i'm an associate
5: writer and my piece on sound wanted to encapsulate what it'd be like living in a busy city right next to a construction site with all the mechanical, unnatural sounds that you could hear. So here it is. A light synthetic hum fills the early afternoon air. A cacophony of metallic knocking from large brutish hammers seize me from colorful dreams and drag me into a dull, drab world. The nearby roar of six-wheelers passing, pry open my tired eyes. I arise from my bed in synchronisation to the screeching of heavy gates. I sluggishly make my way to the kitchen, fatigue hanging over me. I look to the window as water sloshes into my red porcelain cup. Fluorescent jackets command each other as I try to recollect last night's events. The memories, surreal but vivid, imprinted onto my mind. Today a young man would not witness the morning sun because of me. My failure, my mistakes would lead to his untimely demise. I remember as his last breath slowly crept out of his mouth. This was becoming too much of a regular occurrence. I thought I'd be saving lives, not watching them end. It had taken me so long to train, so there was no such thing as turning back. It wasn't always like this. There was a time I was a young, naive paramedic, thinking I'd change the world. The piercing scream of a siren that I unfortunately knew too well, flung me back into my kitchen, the biggest travesty is that hindsight is always 2020
6: Post match My brother and I picked up our tools on tiptoes He gathered supplies like bundles of wood toys lamps pillows all spilling from the sheets of his arms i struck gold in the warm void of the air and cupboard and brought him our mother's favorite cotton sheet our hands worked quickly to reassemble his bedroom rebuilding a cavern under his desk silence nestled between us cushions strewn like leaves in a forest were at our thrones The smell of persil dripped like rain over our grass-stained knees. We drowned out the thunder of my father with the crinkle, rustle of cheese and onion crisps. Together we roosted under a canopy of fairy lights, warmed ourselves in the glow of Nintendo DS and whispered cheat codes to each other until late, into the night
1: lovely atmospheric piece by Naseem and also before that a piece by Sufian nasim's piece was actually called post match I do apologize so we're here with the writers two of the nine and chatting Listening to what we've been doing all week what we've been producing all week. Keep listening You've got another two hours of wonderful material music broadcasting journalism We circle leads and the world like a red kite looking down and giving you that point of view, which you might not have had before Louise Can we talk a little about the next piece? We're going to be hearing which is six small boats uh, a piece of yours which you've written and edited. How how did that come about? Tell us about your thinking towards that.
2: Yeah, so I've been I've been thinking a lot about about shores. Um, I've just recently come back over from from France, um, and and I I wanted in some way to respond to what the British media are calling um, the migrant boat crisis. And I really didn't know, um, at first I was really struggling with with how to respond to that. What could I possibly say? Um, And eventually I got to this idea that I wanted to try to shine some light on the language that we are using um, in in the British media to describe uh, the people that are arriving. places like kent and and dover in in the last few weeks and certainly before as well and um my piece ended up becoming a found poetry project so i was i was looking for words in news articles and headlines all things that have been written in in the last few weeks Mm. and um and i ended up playing around with the order of those words and and then adding some some audio from um, from an archive of 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 channel crossings and um yeah I think with a bit more time this this piece will will be become something else and I'll have time to rethink it um, but for now this is this is what I've produced
1: and again um I do applaud the the uh the way that all the writers have just, in a very short space of time, and, and some of them might want to, sp- to have spent more time refining their pieces, just plunged in and um, and made something in this week, this last two weeks. So thanks for doing that, Louise. And just briefly, before we go on, you're, we've been talking about um edge lands our theme really amongst the writers and the edges of things And i suppose this this piece is very much part of that kind of uh, thematic landscape but that's also a a theme that's important for you
2: yeah i mean my my piece um in last week's broadcast thought about edgelands in terms of um terrain and land and i think it's also really interesting and 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 particularly relevant to talk also about edge lands that might exist in water, and and crossing water, and some of the well the obvious dangers involved in that. Um, and having just come from France myself, um, and and particularly during a period of of lockdown like we're currently in, um, the idea of travel and crossing borders and crossing water. Is um, is something that we're all talking about, um, but yeah, I was particularly interested to to experiment with with the language that we talk about borders at sea.
1: Great, and your piece, six More boats, will be followed by a piece called Behind the Tills, very much a land. Landlorn Place, a supermarket as opposed to being in the middle of the channel. But um, it was written by Henna and is voiced by an actor who has done so much for us over the last few months by giving voice to many, many pieces, 70 or 80 pieces written by writers and contributed to our broadcasting since March, Pam Hilton. So first of all, six small boats.
2: Six small boats. Six small boats. Six more boatfuls of data arriving at the coast. Data landing. Seeking a better life. Six small boats. A headache crossing to UK shores, small headaches in small vessels, one survivor. Data with children, data with a baby crossing the sea, authorities waiting to halve the data to deal with the spike. Britain's insecure coastline in sight, fleeing war in dinghies, even pregnant mothers, unseaworthy mothers, 38 in a boat. How many incidents? How many laws patrolling the sea? Make it unviable for six small boats to cross with their unviable pregnant mothers. Intercept these mothers. Protect the border from makeshift distress, makeshift unaccompanied children, a desperation of dinghies seeking a better life. Not drowned asylum.
7: Never saw this coming, not in all me 20 years working here. Oh, I've seen shops change, logo, layout, those blasted self-service machines. My job used to be simple. I'd scan endless amounts of bread, pints of milk, the odd chocolate bar the kids would sneak in after school. Now it's masks, screens and sanitizer. Cleaning, cleaning, cleaning. That till has never looked so spotless. Janet, the manager, poor love's rushed off her feet. She walks round like some sort of firefighter with a two metre stick in one hand and hand sanitizer in the other. The mood's changed a lot since lockdown. People have started to talk. I only used to make the same old chat, busy day, treating yourself, nice weather, but now they actually see me, despite this god awful mask. I had a young lad, half my age, he said thank you to me for keeping the shops working. It's the first time anyone's ever said thank you to me. All that clapping for the NHS and key workers. Me, a key worker. Mum would make fun of me and my job. Always asked when I was quitting or if they'd throw the old crone out. Fancy her hearing in the time, some sort of superhero. Mind you, I think they were more grateful for the loo roll. A young mum and her three kids come hounding down the till. Nappies, formula milk, sweets and board games fill up the conveyor belt. Oh, I don't miss those days. Poor lass looks exhausted. Hair's falling out of her bun and she's got dark circles under her eyes. I give her a sympathetic smile. Before I realise that she can't even see me smile because of me mask. I told you, god awful. I scan through her items, but her card gets declined. I tell her not to worry, but I can see it in her eyes that she's on the verge of a breakdown. She tries her card again, still declined. She starts sobbing. All I want to do is go up and give her a hug. And I can't. Poor, poor lass. She's lost her job. Trying to homeschool the kids. Six-month-old baby has various problems, but she's too scared to go to the hospital. To top it off, her husband's furloughed. It's a tough time. A generous fella pays for her shopping. Of course I just go back to my spot and continue scanning for the next person. Boxes of beer takes up most of the shopping. Someone's missing the pub. I do hope that young lass is okay.
1: So that piece there, Behind the Tills, written by Henna and performed by Pam Hilton. Before that we heard Six small Boats, um, written and produced and edited by Louise. So we're coming up to the end of this part of Red Kite. Coming up we have the new broadcasters with Katie. First of all, or last of all, um, Billy, we're going to hear a piece by you, the piece you were referring to right at the beginning. tell us a little about this if you want would you rather just hear it and we go for it
3: I'd rather just hear it okay and we...
1: yeah fantastic all right so um, let's hear the piece first and uh, and I won't say anything about it at all
3: that's it I'm shooting this flame in the god it's like Shay shot him stadium all over again yeah it's all very well telling me to calm down mccartney you like the attention you're mr showbiz mr show more like oh i've had enough of all this the dream is over what's the point they don't hear you play live anyway for all the cat talk about a cellar full of noise this is a flaming hotel room full of noise No McCartney, I haven't got time to hear one of your little ditties. All right, can't even hear myself thinking here. I think yesterday's gone to your head. I'm struggling to get it out of mine. I remember the early days, before we're known as the Fab Four, before Beatlemania, before Shea Stadium, before all of that stuff. I remember the excitement, the adrenaline, the adulation. The stale, musty, boozy smell of that little room. Groups of girls screaming for us. Not as much as they did at Chase Stadium. We could actually hear ourselves play there. They used to listen to our music. Actually listen to it instead of shouting over the top of it. Those were the days when I was free to go for a pint in the grapes with the lads without some annoying crap with a scrap of paper asking me for my autograph. I was free to walk down the street without being mobbed by those sodding beetle maniacs. I could describe every hotel room in every hotel, well, maybe not every hotel room. Sometimes it would be so out of my mind and pop that I wouldn't even notice the hotel room. Anyway, it doesn't matter, they're all the same to me. Land, soulless, no identity. That's me and this band now. We all blend into one. But I'm an individual, I have my own thoughts that I need to express. And I can't just do that by cracking barbed one-liners to journalists and committing mad drawings and ramblings to paper so I can make a book out of them. I've done that twice already. I need to get out. Get back to where I once belonged. Out of this hotel room. and Out of this flaming band. What am I doing here at all? Yoko and me could flee to America. Land of the free. Away from the petty minds of the blood-sucking press. Another life. Of course, let me let me forget that misunderstanding about Jesus. I mean, it's not like I was committing a crime, was it? I wasn't knocking the Jesus thing or putting it down. I was just saying it as a fact. I just said what I said and it was wrong. Or it was taken wrong. I think I'll be forgiven though. God, I'm suffocating in here. Hey, Paul. George. Give it a rest, will you? I said, give it a rest. I'm trying to think. All right lads, stop arguing for God's sake. You're like an old married couple. You're just adding to all that ruddy racket out there. How of those people got homes to go to? I need to get away from all this, but everything has a price.
1: Good morning. Here is the news. The singer and former Beatle John Lennon was shot dead last night outside his apartment in New York. He was 40 years old. just believe in me so that piece by billy there um and i have to say i thoroughly admire billy the way that you explored all the potential of radio there we were inside his head we were outside in the street we were in the room with the rest of the beatles and we were in the past and we were in his future, all those things combined. So I do congratulate you. In fact, I congratulate all the writers we've heard this week for their exploration of the medium. Do you want to say something about that piece and how it came about?
3: Yes. um, Well, that piece that you just heard was all about, you know, John Lennon feeling on the edge of society at the time when the Beatles touring days were beginning to wind down. He's trapped in in a... in a band, in they in a life that he doesn't want. Um, he's thinking of going to America with his with Yoko, who he only would he just met at the time, uh, to have a normal life. But the price he pays is that he loses his life. Absolutely,
1: and it's all in there, and uh, yeah, beautifully done so unfortunately we're going to have to leave the writers there i must uh, thank uh louise first of all thank you louise
2: thanks peter
1: i'm really looking forward to seeing you next week for the third week of the writing project and also uh to billy for for joining us today both of you and i'm th- as again thanking the writers all of them for taking part and really looking forward as i say to, to working with you all again next week and heading towards our last broadcast of the th- three in the series uh next friday afternoon finally um we've been going on some wonderful walks uh in leeds and east leeds on the successive mondays of the project led by matthew bellwood on the edges of leeds on the edges of east leeds the center of leeds very much on the peripheries the kind of the lining of the city really the wooded lining of our city here in in leeds and um yeah i was having a chat on the way with aaron aaron is a theater maker a young theater maker who's very much part of the scene at chapel fm and uh, I discovered something I didn't know before, which is that Aaron is is absolutely passionate about Shakespeare. So before we go on to Katie and the new broadcasters, we're going to be hearing now from Aaron.
6: Me
8: glorious summer by the son of York, which is a pun on the sun and the sun.
1: Yeah, yeah. And they would have got it, I suppose. But there were 3,000 people packed in those theatres. Yeah. You know, people that was the main recreation of Elizabethans at the time. Yeah. And, they, and they weren't all university graduates, were they? Let's face
8: it. Oh, most of them couldn't even read. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> Including half the actors. <laughs> 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 <It was> horrible. <laughs>
6: <laughs> and yet. Yeah. But I've had my vaccinations. Yeah,
8: weasels that bad.
6: No, Measel.
8: it's measles. Oh, me! I heard Chilliard's weasel. Coy. I'm going deaf. I'm I going heard deaf. weasels.
6: I heard weasels.
8: I've never had the weasels. Have you <laughs> heard the weasels? for Hamlet it's got to be the, uh, to be or not to be speech which I love because it's like it's a question I think everybody needs to ask themselves at some point mm-hmm. and I think we've all been in that situation where we are down and feeling that sort of pain as well because mm-hmm. the entire thing is he's questioning which is better to stop the nightmares living or does he go to a nightmare he can't wake up from which is a sort of beautiful sentiment, mm. and it also like Shakespeare does this thing, which is really weird, where he can take something so serious and add humour <laughs> as well. Mm. Mm. Like the line from uh, *Last Poor Yorick*. There's a line what says uh, he, he talks about how he knew Yorick, and he, you know, he was a nice fellow. And then he says, "Take tea to that lady's chamber. To this, they must paint. Come on, inch thick which means doesn't matter how much makeup you put on now, you're still ugly. Because <laughs> he's holding the skill and he's basically mm-hmm. taking the mick out of it. Mm-hmm. Which I, I
1: absolutely love. Which is interesting because Yorick is <clears throat> was also a joker, wasn't he? Yeah, he was he a kind a court gesture. So he's kind of joking with a skull, whereas Yorick would have joked with him probably or with his dad as king. When he was alive. Yeah, there's a mm-hmm. bit
8: before that where it says, He bore me on his back, I don't know how often. Which means, you know, he used to climb on his back and ride him like a like a mm. horse-type thing as a kid. Yeah. And, and they, now he's here all these years later holding skill mm, mm. and still taking the mick out of him.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you, you obviously don't find... Because some, some people, the language of, of Shakespeare is quite a put-off, particularly young people, perhaps, you could say. Uh, but that's something, obviously, that you really like. Mm. So uh,
8: mm. I learnt Shakespeare in a very weird way that most people don't learn. I learnt Shakespeare in pictures mm-hmm. instead of words. Mm. For example, when I was learning Hamlet in uh, college, the uh, to be or not to be, that is the question, is a sort of question mark hanging noose. Mm. Sorry, uh, a noose hanging a question mark. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I found it much easier to connect with Shakespeare because I'm dyslexic and I work in that sort of imagery, those pictures.
1: That's really interesting. And do you think that might be a useful way for people to get to grips with Shakespeare, generally speaking, through pictures?
8: Yeah, no, mm. I agree.
1: Yeah.
8: And also, like, a lot of the words, like, once they're translated into English, make perfect sense. Mm. Like, modern-day English. There's a fantastic book called uh, The Shakespeare Dictionary. Mm-hmm. It's got most of the, like, big monolog bits. Mm. And on the uh, other side of the page, it's got the modern... Translation, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I absolutely adore. So when you get past the, the,
1: the, diff, the initial difficulty of some of the words or some of the language, you know, you what you're saying is Shakespeare is talking about things that we would recognise. Yeah. Being alive. Yeah,
8: yeah. yeah. He talks about stuff that matters to people in a way they can understand. Yeah. yeah. Like life and death and politics and royalty. Mm-hmm father and sons.
1: Wow. She's amazing. It is amazing. Thank you. That's great to hear, Aaron. Yeah, when, and and just you, you, you teach, you're teaching Shakespeare. I
8: do. I teach Shakespeare. And where do you teach Shakespeare? I teach Shakespeare in um, schools and mm. special units for kids with difficulties, mm-hmm. and I use Shakespeare to teach English mm-hmm. and stuff to them.
1: Some people think they've got to be really clever to know about Shakespeare. Everyone Shakespeare. thinks
8: they've got to be clever and have degrees. When really, all you need is a sense of life, which everyone has. What
1: about chicken pox. <laughs> uh, Excuse me. Measles. What's measles? Oh, so these are measles. Uh, they're, 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 they're little knees. Please
5: never say the word varicella again. Neasles. That's the scientific term for it. Just
0: never say what, it again. Say the word for what? Measles. <laughs> no, the other one. Yeah. One of you.